Hello, folks, and welcome to the Genuinely Interested Podcast, a podcast where I chat with people that I'm genuinely interested in. Uh, it's a podcast where I can talk to people, get their story, get a better understanding of who they are and what they've been through, and in the process, maybe learn something by myself or leave just a little bit better and hopefully a little bit wiser. Today on the podcast, I have Teddy Hose, who is a fascinating person with an even more interesting story. We discuss Leah living and leaving a cult, and he tells us about his experience inside the Moonies uh, cult, which he was a part of for uh, many, many years. So without further ado, I give you Teddy Hose. All right. Hey, Teddy. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Um, so you're currently in LA, right? Uh, San Francisco. Sorry, uh, my bad. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you grew up in New York. Uh, yeah, I kind of went back and forth. I, uh, I grew up in New York, like in Terrytown, New York till I was like, um, 13. And then we moved to Seattle or Bellevue, Washington, which is right outside Seattle in my teens. And then I, w- I was in New York city, just living all around it through my twenties. And then moved to San Francisco when I was 30. So a lot of back and forth. Yeah. yeah so all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's pretty awesome. So, I mean, why don't you tell the people, you know, a little bit about who you are, uh, you know, how you grew up, uh, and just, you know, kind of an overview of your, uh, super, super interesting story. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm, uh, my name is Teddy Hose and I live in San Francisco right now. I do, multimedia design uh for linkedin so that's kind of a pretty oh, cool wow. job uh yeah. yeah so that's mostly like motion graphics i studied animation in art school uh, i was at the school of visual arts in new york in my 20s but um yeah i guess you know the reason i'm on this podcast today is because i grew up in a religious cult called uh, the unification church or the moonies um yeah. i like to talk about it because i think a lot of people well, in recent years, it feels like people are talking about cults, you know, more about all the different facets and the complexities and the differences. Um, they don't all comment as like one type of cult, you know. Um, mine was, uh, well, it, uh, well, yeah, my childhood was very, uh, let's see. Um, it, it was a mix of like, you know, we'd have, we were treated as special being born into the unification church because my parents joined in the sixties. And so I was born into it. Like, yeah. Um, and so I grew up like feeling that I was part of the special community. You know, we had properties, um, you know, this was, these properties that were kind of nice were around Terrytown, New York. Uh, this, these were all kind of made from like exploited money from labor trafficking, mostly, um, from these, like really, you know, these members who are obsessed with kind of working, uh, for the church, they believe they're doing God's work. Um, so I grew up in these nice properties actually, but at the same time, uh, this was in the eighties, uh, people knew who Moonies were, or they were in the media as like, this is like a cult. This was not long after Jim Jones, you know, the, the mass suicide. So, um, so there was this stigma about cults and that made me actually a pretty anxious and, uh, how do you call it? Like kind of socially crippled kid. Like I didn't trust the world. Uh, I saw in the media how they talked about Moonies. So whereas I had a lot of trust in this community and we actually, you know, we all got along. It was very international. Um, again, we had properties, things were kind of okay. Uh, you know, you step outside of that, you go to any public place on your own or whatever. And, you know, there's a lot of anxiety of like, oh, if someone finds out I'm a Mooney, then 
they're going to like, I don't know what's going to happen to me, you know? So there was a lot of fear. Uh, and that, but, and that serves, and that serves the, basically the, the unification church, right? Or other cults, like that's what they want members to feel. They want to feel safe in their own community and a sense of dread and anxiety when they go outside, correct? Uh, yes, totally. Uh, the, the, um, leader of the church, his name is, was a uh, Sun Myung Moon. He died in 2012 and he believed he was the second coming of Jesus. Uh, he came from what is now North Korea and he just built his way up. He talked to some people with money and they got into the church and then he got really rich and, you know, and then it just, the rest is history. So, yeah, I think, you know, he just wanted to have people under his control, just like, you know, like R. Kelly has something similar and you know, people with yeah. a lot of money and power. Sometimes if they're narcissists, then this is what happens, you know? So, yeah. And so what did he, what was his overall, you know, promise or what was he? Because every, you know, I feel like cults do have some sort of, you know, there's something that puts them all together in the same bowl, but there's also something that separates them. Like what is, what was special about the movie? What was his overall promise or what were the kind of people he was trying to go after to join the church? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it was uh, it was like a Christian based church. And so because he said he was the second coming, he said like, he's continuing Jesus's mission. He said like the, um, you know, the crucifixion of Jesus was actually, uh, it, it, he, Jesus didn't complete his mission. So, uh, Sun Young Moon was there to, uh, continue it. So that was kind of the promise, um, that we would be, you know, well, that, uh, okay. Being born into it, uh, mm -hmm. the, the pre-existing belief is just like in Christianity, there's like the fall of man, right? There's like Adam and Eve sinned in the garden of Eden, who were the first humans, uh, according to this, uh, Christian scripture. And because they sinned, um, everyone who was born from them is sinful. So, you know, that's the, uh, that, so basically the Messiah comes to, uh, cleanse people of that sin. So if you join the unification church, uh, or the, the Moonies as they were known in pop culture, um, then he would cleanse you of that sin. So like we were born sinless. And, you know, besides that, again, there were these like nice properties and like uh, facilities. There was like a very high concentration of wealth while at the same time there were these like, you know, very devout members who were being labor trafficked, just, um, you know, fundraising door to door, just selling trinkets for years, even living in vans and motels and whatever they could do to just keep working. So it was a very two polarized sides to uh, the unification church. So was this kind of like Scientology where members have to relinquish all their assets, their money, you know, just give everything away to the church? Uh, yes. Yeah. They found ways to just, you know, religiously guilt people into doing that or, or, you know, just, I think because there was such a, you know, um, because again, these, the, uh, the church had so much, uh, in terms of these like nice, they had like mansions and stuff that people lived in. Uh, yeah. people were like, wow, this life is so much better, you know? And they just like, I mean, I, I can't speak for those people cause I, I was born into it and I never had to give up things, but yeah, we have to make that distinction too. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was born, born into it. Yeah. yeah. This isn't something that you decided to, this is just, you know, something you had to right. do. Yeah. But, um, my, I think my parents and uh, mostly my parents, friend, yeah, especially those who came from like wealthy homes, like, 
you know, they were asked to give up a lot. Some of them said no. Like my parents made friends with one person I know in San Francisco and she was like, nope, sorry, that's the end of my membership. But she kept her friends <laughs> in it. You know? Yeah. So there's a lot of complex <laughs> stories. But, uh, you know, the, yeah, some of them just willingly gave it up. And that's where whenever my parents told me about one of them, like, I'm just like cringe. Um, one One woman gave, I think, what was it? Like 600 million yen total to like Unification Church. And wow. Oh, what, what is that in dollars? Sorry? What is that in dollars? Actually, I don't know. <laughs> it has to be at least a lot. Million. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, hundreds of millions. Yeah. That sounds like a lot. Yeah. I, I believe like because we were, you know, we were talking uh, via email uh, a few times. And I believe you told me that uh, New Yorker Hotel on 34th and 8th. Yeah, uh, belongs to the Unification mm -hmm. Church. I had no idea. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you see it in music videos or like in documentaries or whatever. Um, yeah, it was this yeah, building. You would never that, think. Mm -hmm. And it's also where uh, Nikola Tesla died. Actually, it's kind of an interesting really? fact. Yeah, um, but wow. yeah, they've owned it. And uh, when I lived in Terrytown in a house in in Terrytown that was church property uh, when I was a kid, um, we would go for we would go to that building uh on 34th street for uh church holidays there were church holidays like parents day or children's day they were kind of like these arbitrary just kind of familial kind of holidays and so we would basically all go there it was great for me to like go and see all my friends and just you know we would walk we'd go across the street to mcdonald's or something that's as good as it got <laughs> in new york if you were a kid but uh yeah like, you know it felt pretty cool to be in this building and we would just go to all the different floors and the elevator and just like play hide and seek it was pretty amazing but at the same time you know the other side was like we'd have to get up early like if it was the new year or something we called it god's day new year's i don't know we, i guess we had to rebrand it to make it our own and then uh yeah. like we'd have to stay up at like you know get up at like five in the morning or something and listen to like an hours long speech just sitting on the rug you know on the floor in the grand ballroom like that's and that's a cult thing cults uh usually have a speaker who will go on for hours and hours and like it's just the narcissism you know like jim jones had like you know these like uh what do you call them uh the, these megaphones like all over uh his, his place in guyana and uh he would just speak just nonstop all day while people would work the fields just anyway so i'm just glad to be away from that <laughs> that was yeah that's that's a really crazy story um so what was kind of what would you say or i don't know if that's even something that existed but was there a daily schedule that you guys kept or just something you kind of had to do morning you know afternoon nighttime or was it you know just, I don't know, um, kind of like just any other religious school where you would have to, you know, do the teachings, obey the, 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 the nuns or whoever taught you or just, I guess, what, what was like, what was the structure? Um, the, there were a lot of things that were just like a regular Christian church. Like we had church on Sundays and, you know, the little donation basket and, you know, um, we basically, it was like, abstinence was a big deal save sex for marriage because you know if you had sex with someone outside of the church then they were of the original sin blood lineage you know so then all that uh all those years would be ruined of trying to like cleanse humanity of original sin so that was a big no-no in the church and that kind of messed me up but um i mean i see it that now. <laughs> but anyway uh 
it's it's just I'm just a late late bloomer to to put it lightly. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but uh, like we did have there was this one thing uh, called pledge that we did every Sunday morning, um, every Sunday at uh, five a.m. We would get up and uh, you know bow three times, do a full like Korean bow down to the floor to a picture of Reverend and Mrs. Moon. And, uh, you know, we would like read this pledge card that had this like almost like militaristic style, like I will fight, you know, with my blood, sweat and tears for, you know, for the kingdom of heaven to come and for, you know, humanity to, blow up, you know, basically just really getting you into like a soldier mode about yeah. your devotion you know to this movement and so uh you know and meanwhile we're bowing right after you battle a picture of these people that um we were taught to love more than our own parents so uh it was pretty it's pretty great but that was all normal to me as a kid i was just like well this is our culture and other people have theirs and i guess this is how we do it you know but then you grow up and you're like, oh, that was really fucked up, you know? So Yeah. So that's exactly what I was, that was my next question. Like at, at what point were you realizing like, uh, wait a minute, no, this something, something's wrong. Something's off. This is not gelling well. You know, this is just doesn't make any common sense. You know, at, at what point yeah. did you realize that? Um, it was, it was kind of a, it wasn't an immediate thing. Um, some parts were, but, uh, like first my family left uh when we moved to uh Bellevue Washington uh on Reverend Moon's command he said go to your father's hometown and um go witness to more people so we moved away from New York uh to uh my my dad grew up in Seattle but you know we moved to Bellevue it was i guess it was more of a school district kind of thing i don't know but uh yeah. anyway um my parents kind of felt like that was them getting away from the headquarters in New York uh far away enough that they didn't have to kind of go through the motions and involve themselves as much. And I think they stopped paying like the church fees. Like they would always like ask for these, like, you know, thousand dollar donations every few weeks to like help us with this campaign or something, which, you know, but <laughs> anyway, yeah. we don't know where that money went, but we kind of have an idea. But um, yeah. So, um, so was, that was like one level of it. We kind of slowly drifted away, like socially, I think from the church and a lot of other people in the Northwest did too. I think they were all away from like the church centers in California and New York. Um, but then when I was 18, um, I talk about this a lot in my interviews, but, uh, yeah, the definitive moment for me was, uh, um, and this was like after my parents kind of made it clear when I was around 18 that we're not really in the church anymore. Um, you know, uh, you know, I don't have to go to the arranged marriage, which is part of the church. And that's a whole nother story. But, uh, yeah. so after that, I was like, Oh man, I, it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, this is my whole identity. You know, this is all I know. What about my childhood friends? Do I have to leave them? Like it was really hard because it was a very polarized community that, you know, is um, while the rest of the world just seems like this thing you look at through a window and lightly in involve yourself with. So I was like, sh shoot, now I have to like catch up with the rest of the world. Um, but sh shortly after that, um, <clears throat> like on my own, uh, I remember in New York, like I since I grew up near the Moon family in Terrytown, uh, I I saw some of them around town sometimes. I didn't really interact with them much because they were all, you know, um, kind of manipulative people there is some of them are kind of like bullies so i mean you can yeah. imagine that they have these they're worshipped since they were born so uh but there was this one who was like a, a gentler kid and he he always seemed kind of melancholy his name was um 
Youngjin Moon. Uh, his American name was Philip Moon. And um, when he, I think he was like 21 or maybe like 20, uh, around that time, he actually committed suicide, which is really sad. Um, oh, wow. and yeah. So I, you know, I thought the church would have maybe a moment of silence or, you know, commemorate him or something. But immediately they sent an email out to all these church members and said, you know, this is your fault. Like you didn't have enough faith and you made this happen. And it was like so disgusting to me. And I was like, right there, I saw what their priority was and I was just done immediately. Oh, wow. That's, uh, yeah, that's, you know, I'm surprised. Was that something that you think had an impact on other people? Did you see other people potentially leave or, or discuss this? Or was this just, you know, just you? I think in my case, it might have been just me or, or there might have been a few others who are maybe my age who knew him as a kid, too, because he was around. He was pretty close to my age. Um, yeah, I think for other people, it was like, uh, you know, Sun Myung Moon had what he what he called, quote unquote, providential affairs um, <laughs> where, he, yeah, he just like he got caught cheating and he was oh, like, wow. oh, this is, you know, he's like, oh, this, I'm cleansing their wombs or something like that. You know, just total messianic, you know, yeah, like so. Um, but if you I mean, I could go on about it, but if you look at the real origins of the church, yeah, if you, if you look at the real origins of the church, there's a book called um Ritual Sex and Change of Blood Lineage in the Unification Church. And it's written by an, a former member who did a lot of research after. And um, in Korea, there were like these shamanistic groups where uh, they believe that uh, this is early 1900s that, you know, you have to have sex with the leader in order to join the group. So there were like circles of this, like maybe around where Sun Young Moon lived. And um, he was one of them. He was this sex cult leader. So he always had these beliefs. And I think when he came to America with his church in the fifties, um, he, you know, he knew that he couldn't get away with this, that here, we don't have that kind of folklore. Like we're very anti that, you know, in conservative America. So, or Christian America. So, uh, I think, you know, he, he kept that underground, but then it peaked its head up again. And I think people started, you know, dropping off after that. But it's still worldwide. They still have a lot of money and businesses. They like have, you know, True World Foods, which is like, you know, the largest distributor of sushi in America. And the Washington wow. Times is, yeah, the Washington Times is a paper that Sun Man Moon started. It didn't make a profit for over three decades until it went online because, you know, labor traffic church members were sustaining it. It's basically a propaganda machine for like, you know, Sun Man Moon's like, beliefs and i don't know um just wow. along the lines of far-right america basically which is very yeah. clenching on this christian narrative so yeah wow i had no idea i think most people would would have no idea that the they own the washington times oh yeah i mean I'm, i try to get it out there i'm like please realize what you're reading and what you're quoting because like fox news and rush limbaugh and all them they all quote it because it's like they see what they want to see. And there used to be laws that regulated, you know, like, um, what was that called? The fairness doctrine, where you always had to report news, uh, you know, but show like a counter statement or something, you know, just to report balanced news. But I think in the eighties, like Reagan, like repealed that he was like, well, our freedom, blah, blah, blah. And like, and yeah. from there we became very polarized, but I don't know. 
Well, yeah. The, nowadays, you have you know Twitter and YouTube, and anyone with a blog can be a journalist and put out misleading information. And there's really no, they're not hold to you know no one's holding them to the fire. They can pretty much say whatever they want. So. You know, someone like Rush Limbaugh with I don't know how many millions of people follow him each day. So, but that's 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 a, that's forget it. <laughs> that's a different story. Yeah. Politics. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, we can go into that. <laughs> I'm sure for and talk mm-hmm. for hours, but we don't want to go into that. Um, yeah, so I feel like there's there's always a common thread um, when you know when when you talk about cults. Um, there's always exploitation. Um, if it's either financially or, or sexually, and there's, you know, they always try to keep control of the members. Um, there's always that, you know, one charismatic leader that, that everyone reveres and they see him as some sort of a, a demigod, um, or, you know, some sort of a prophet. And it's always authoritarian. Uh, mm-hmm. And I believe that you know they were talking about some of these things in the in the Netflix um, thing that uh, that actually where I saw you uh, speaking, and that's why I wanted to reach out and talk to you. Um, it seems a, a little bit, if you look at it, you know, this that joke: um, what a cult uh, plus time equals religion. Right. Um, it. It. I know. I really. I've. I actually. I've been. I always thought. That was true, um, and when I saw it on the on on the episode when they said I was like, oh, okay, so it's not just my opinion. This is something that a lot of people talk about, and it was just really interesting to 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 kind of see that. Um, the other thing I was thinking, I think throughout you know history, there have been a lot of different reasons for for people obviously joining cults um, from you know, security to higher meaning to maybe feeling some sort of a purpose or being part of a community. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of other factors as well. Um, But I was thinking like, I think today, um, loneliness plays a factor um, much more than it used to be before. I think the, I don't know if it's social media or the internet that supposedly we're supposed to connect us all. I think it's made us a little bit more isolated. Do you think that plays uh, potentially a role in why people are, are joining cults today? Uh, yeah, I definitely think living, you know, digital, social media, everything. Uh, yeah, I feel like um, people maybe aren't getting together as much and they're talking through these channels where, um, you know, uh, I, I do think about that a lot. Yeah, I do. Uh, how, you know, when you're talking to someone in person, you're not just seeing words on the screen, you can like pick up on tone, you know, there's a little more vulnerability, there's a little more at stake, I feel like. Um, so people are going to probably be better about confronting certain topics and stuff. But when you're behind like a computer screen, and you're just typing words on a screen, you get away with anything. So I think people's radical views can spread like wildfire, you know, if they are charismatic enough, or, um, you know, if they just know how to work uh with people what people are angry about you know they can um exploit them that way or just indoctrinate them through that uh i think that's what's happening around the world like politically like you know you can just find your own echo chamber like you don't have to find right answers you just have to find uh some kind of confirmation that your views are reflected by someone else like online and i think those are things that really need to be tackled you know policy wise uh with with social media and internet and, and that's something we're going through right now so definitely yeah um you know you hear about like 
like ISIS like recruits through Tinder, you know, just like it's getting <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's bizarre. That's <laughs> but right. it works, you know, people want to feel like they're part of a community. People want and you know, if you have you know, I don't know about the left, but I know the right have the fortune and you know, Pepe the Frog and uh, communities on Reddit and other uh, blogs and stuff. And, you know, they really, it's a place where they fester these horrible ideas and, and, and somehow sometimes it spills over to the real world, which is, you know, that's when you see shootings and that's when you see rallies for uh, Nazis or, or whatever it is. So that's, that's pretty mm-hmm. unfortunate. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate that um, there's just this yeah obsession with guns and um, and so, you know I I, I in, the, in two other podcasts I was in uh, one uh, generation called another one's uh, um, uh, indoctrination uh, I talk I quoted uh, some some in basically uh, ordering because he liked guns I don't know he was into guns and, and like all the way back to the sixties he started a gun company and he was like, we have to sell as many guns as possible in America. Uh, you know, I, I forgot what his reasoning was, but it was like, you know, to defend our morals or something, basically everything you hear about today, like about, Oh yeah. Uprising or something like he was saying that back in the sixties. So it makes me really question, you know, how much he's actually one of the driving engines of that whole momentum, you know? Um, because he has a lot, again, he has just a lot of exploited money. And, um, I think he has weapons dealings with Korea. You know, he sells money. He sells to the military in Korea or something. I don't know. That, that's the rumor. Um, but basically, yeah, he's, he's very intertwined with, you know, these politicians and lobbying and, um, yeah. Uh, so he, and I, I don't know if you also saw that I'm also in this A&E show called, uh, Cults and Extreme Belief. But, um, no, I haven't. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> on that topic. <laughs> but I definitely topic, will. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Uh, this was like in 2018. I think it came out in the summer of 2018. And uh, I I uh, basically am talk, talk about uh, Sanctuary Church or uh, it's called right. like World Peace and Unification Sanctuary is the official title. And that's okay. um, one of Sun Young Moon's son's uh, cults. And I don't know if you saw this in the news, but you know, they were the ones who had like the bullet crowns and they had the ceremony where they had the AR-15 guns. Yes, 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 yes. I I saw this on, I believe it was Vice where, uh, yeah, they were all sitting in church. Everyone, I think he was, you know, I think there was a mass wedding happening or something and everyone had like AR-15s and M-16s and it looked like they were ready to go to war. Right. Yeah. So that, so I went to like, I think it was the first one of those in like uh, February of 2018. And, um, I basically like helped protest uh, and, uh, you know, I talked about my growing up in his father's cult and like, you know, the group itself. And I even talked to one of, uh, one of the members who was a second generation. And, you know, I saw that he, he, he approached people striking, you know, this guy, this kid who was like born into the sanctuary church or reunification church. And then his family joined sanctuary church after Reverend moon died. Uh, and I could see that he was trying to come with like a peaceful attitude, like, Hey, you know, what's going on here? You know? So I, I feel like I could talk to him and, you know, I felt like I had a pretty good talk, but there's no, like really, you know, it's, it's such its own world. And, you know, I've learned a lot about brain science over the last few years. And, 
you know, when, when your brain is just in that world so much, uh, there's so, it takes a long, a lot of negotiation to really start seeing things outside of it, you know, or, or like a psychological shock, you know, um, there are some proper cognitive dissonance or whatever. So, you know, I just tried to talk to him and make him consider things. Um, I told him about how, uh, the leader of that group of sanctuary church, Sean Moon, like he was a total bully as a kid. Like he would like, you know, lock kids in the closet and he would make them fight for his entertainment. Like these are second generation, oh, wow. just regular church kids. Yeah. To him, like it was like people were like toys, you know, to the, to any of the moon kids, like other, you know, church member kids were toys and, uh, they just, you know, played with their power with them. Um, you know, there was no making a genuine friendship with these people. Uh, and I, I can't blame them. Like if I grew up like that, I'd be like that too. So I just, you know, and I think Sean Moon, he's trying to like make things different. You know, I can tell he's, he's trying to be, it's weird, but he's actually a little bit of a hippie in it all too. He's like, we're, you know, we're going to do these. He, he wants to be like radical and alt, alt right, you know, uh, but it, it, he's just completely yeah. not self-aware and he's completely, you know, he, I don't think he'll change for anyone because of the way he grew up. So, yeah. Yeah, it's extremely, you know, difficult. I remember, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm Jewish and I know there's, um, a huge ultra orthodox community here living in Williamsburg, not exactly where I live, but not too far away. And, uh, there was a documentary I was watching a couple of years back about a few people that left the community. It's yeah. extremely difficult for them to leave the community. They, yeah. A, a, their family denounces them, so they're not going to, you know, they, they stop any contact with them. So all their friends, their sister, their mother, their father, shunned from the community, they can't go back. On top of that, they weren't told and, and, and taught the basic ABCs, the skills to kind of how to get a job, how to, some of them don't even know English that well because they speak Yiddish. They don't know the months because they have a different calendar. So just, Everything, they were just have almost zero options to succeed in the real world. And these poor kids, they were like, I think 16 to 18. They, you know, they were really trying, but I think a couple of them went back. A couple of them stayed, but it's extremely, extremely tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, you, you I, think probably, that, I don't know how, I don't know how intent your family was when it started devout, but, uh, it, maybe not as much as Orthodox, but no, yeah. no, my family's, uh, pretty much, um, my father's atheist and, uh, <laughs> he kind of, you know, he, he was very anti-religion my whole life. And, uh, I, I was, I was somewhat, I mean, I went to a religious school when I was young, um, yeah. Just because default, that was the only school that was in the area. So, you know, that's the one I went to and it was about five or six years. So I, you know, I kind of dabbled. I was thinking about, but not becoming more religious, but there was something very enticing about it. You know, a few of my friends were a little bit religious and, but, you know, I think around my early twenties, I decided that's definitely not something I'm interested in. And the older I grew, the less interested in religion I got. I'm very interested in, in, in the psychology of it, but you know, the, the, the reality behind it, uh, just diminished for me with time. So right. it's not something. Yeah. Luckily, yeah. you know, yeah. Right. Yeah. It sounds like it was, maybe you were 
quote unquote social Jew more, right? <laughs> Just yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's big. Like, I think it's good to, you know, you want to feel like you belong to something bigger than your family. It's nice to have a community. So, um, absolutely, you know, I don't, I don't like put down anyone who are part of any kind of religion, unless that religion thinks it's like, you know, uh, it, it has an obsession with, uh, trying to indoctrinate everyone else. That's where it's a problem, you know, but, um, and that's, that's actually another thing I read about. Um, like, uh, I guess in 17th century America, like, you know, a lot of, I don't know if you know this, but like a lot of the European, like, uh, religious, uh, the hardcore religious folk were exiled and they had to, they came to America where they could, you know, because like, I guess, uh, Europe became more kind of socially conscious and went beyond just like, you know, one type of faith. So they felt like they had to build that somewhere else. So they came to America and I'm like, that, that really says a lot, you know, with this, with the climate in America, you know, the social climate and the religious, you know, fanaticism and how it's still something that's honored. Uh, so, you know, even the most extreme, you know, ways. And for example, the, the tax breaks, you know, you can just say something's religious. Insane. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. So like, I don't know. And the, yeah, because the, at the time in the 17th century, like, you know, there were like the punishment is death if you don't follow our church, you know, so it's kind of, it shows you where that strain of America came from. You know, I mean, America is very progressive in a lot of other ways and intelligent and, yes. you know, open-minded, but anyway. But it's also the most, I think I, I read somewhere, it's the most, um, most religious uh, country out of all the kind of West, Western countries, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken. So it's, I think it has like the highest I think Iceland had the highest amount of, of atheists. And I think the U S had the most amount of religious people. So I don't know. It's, uh, it's very, it's very divided. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do, do you think you would have, if, if your parents wouldn't have gradually uh, left the church, do you think you would have been able to do it by yourself? Um, it's hard to say. Like there are some families uh, in the church who they have that one, you know, really dedicated, like I have to save my family, you know, type. And I was like that, like for maybe uh, a few weeks or something after, uh, you know, my parents said we weren't really in the church. I think that that was me going through cognitive dissonance, but not really knowing what to believe. Um, yeah. But uh, I think if they, if they, oh, I'm sorry, you said if they didn't leave. Yeah, if they would have kept, you know, if they would have stayed in the church, do you think you would have had, you know, the, the courage or the foresight to say like, okay, this isn't for me. I see what's wrong with this. And, you know, I want out. Um, You know, hmm, I think maybe I think that would be a mixed answer of like socially, I might still be inclined to be in it. But, um, you know, I think the, the fact is a lot of uh, second generation just ended up leaving like almost all everyone I know. Uh, whether their parents left or not. So, um, you know, I think I would have tried to be, you know, cool with my friends and been like, oh, cool, I'm going to leave too. You know, at the time I was maybe, yeah, more, um, yeah, like I think, you know, not to say I just will jump off a cliff like my friends do, to use that old metaphor. Yeah, like, yeah. But, uh, but like, I think that would have added some pressure of like, you know, really, you're going to stick with this? Like, you know, I think 
So probably not. Um, I would say most likely not. But um, there's a there's a chance that I would have, and you know, and uh, not to go into another long answer, but uh, like there's this. Oh, take your time. Um, okay. We have all the time in the world. Yeah. You can always edit, right? So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so there's this um, one church center. It's like this. This uh, it's almost like the mecca of the Unification Church. It's called um, Chungkyung. It's in uh, it's in South Korea. It's this like healing center where you go and uh, if you look at it and you don't know anything about it, it just looks like oh yeah, this is definitely a cult. Like basically, you have these sessions where you have a bunch of people in a room. And someone in the front is like banging these like Korean drums. And uh, basically the, the spiritual practice is that if you slap yourself and slap each other, um, just like in Scientology, they believe there's like these little tiny like microscopic spirits inside your body and you have to slap them out. So that's like um, so that's some kind of they say there's like miracle healings, like people who couldn't walk can walk now because of it. Um, and then you just like flood it with, you know, lots of money. And it's, it's crazy. It's just like Catholic indulgences. Like, um, the more money you give, the more generations you can liberate in the spiritual world, which is, you know, the ancestral thing is like, um, kind of, I think uh, more of an Asian kind of, uh, religious thing. But, um, yeah. So if I, I there was a chance I was going to go do that. And when people go for like 40 days, usually that's like, you know, the time that they go, um, or more, some, some of them just stay there, you know, you just get locked in and you keep like doing these, these rituals and you get locked into the culture there and, you know, the, Oh, I'm, I feel so good. I'm healing. Like, I don't really know what it's like to have gone through that, but yeah, you know, right when I was deciding which college to go to, you know, I was like, should I go there instead? So yeah, it could have turned out very different. Oh, wow. So there, so, so part of it is just, Basically slapping the shit out of each other. Yeah, that's it. It's literally that. <laughs> wow. Well, I hope no UFC fighter ever goes there and uh, <laughs> and knocks someone out accidentally. Oh man, someone will probably. Yeah, I don't know if they did something really bad and they feel sinful. Then they'll be like, <laughs> then line up. <laughs> yeah, the, the harder the slap, the 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 more you cl cleanse your sins. Um, yeah, it's not the only church that does that too. There's this other south korean church called like grace road church and they also like the the leader person will just bring someone up and like pull them by the hair and like punch them and it's this like old woman it's like whoa <laughs> um, yeah they're considered a cult too and they uh you know just a lot of violence is encouraged yeah in it to like discipline or something and they're spreading around i think it's in fiji like they a lot of uh cults are going to Fiji and New Zealand, like these island countries, you know, it's like, whoa, Less anyway. regulations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe, maybe. I, I think so. So are you mm -hmm. still in touch with, uh, anybody from, you know, that previous life, um, any friends, family, anybody that's still in the church or did you completely cut ties with, you know, with everything related to that? Well, I feel kind of lucky compared to other, um, maybe people who left religious cults or whatnot. Cause, um, I feel like, yeah, a lot of my, a lot of my parents' generation, like, they also feel like, um, well, I guess a, another, like, little thing to add is, like, uh, my, fa my family and, like, there's, like, maybe four or five other families whose, their kids I grew up being friends with, um, 
they were of like some of the earliest church members in America. So I think they were like, we had some status based on that. And, um, you know, we actually lived in like a pretty decent house, uh, you know, and I see that now. And I feel like some people in the church will hate me for, you know, doing that or for like having grown up that way. But, you know, while others grew up in like basements or like really impoverished. Uh, so, you know, I, I feel like, um, I, uh, uh, we, we all kind of, it's interesting. It's like the kids of people who grew up in more, um, prestigious or, you know, higher status, uh, church positions, they seem to have more flexibility. They're like, they can see more of the bullshit and like, they're more, or else I guess I'll say we're more like, uh, I guess we, we're not as desperate to like strive to like prove that we're as you know, more worthy or whatever. Um, even yeah. though I, you know, had the paranoia of being a cult member going to school and I felt very detached from the world, but, um, you know, so anyway, I think with that flexibility came the ease of like just stepping away from it, you know, um, not the ease, but <laughs> I, I don't think it was as risky. Um, I think our parents just wanted us to do good. And our parents also were because they gave up everything. I think they were like, you know, they don't, they didn't want to admit it, but it was like, you know, if we, if we let our kids stay in this church, we're all going to be broke. And just like, so I think they would like go to college, get good jobs, you know? Um, and I, I, there's, my parents are still very conservative. They're like Trump supporters. And, you know, it's something that I have to <laughs> kind of take a deep breath whenever I see them. I mean, I love my parents and they raised us through really difficult times. Um, and I care yeah. about them. We send them money like to help them out because, you know, there's no retirement plan in a cult. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, that's so, but they know that they can't cut me off because like we help them and not, not that that's the terms of our relationship, but, um, you know, I think, and, and I, I'd feel bad about cutting them off. Um, but through therapy, I've also learned that, you know, some, the way we were parented was very not normal. And, um, it was, uh, there was a lot of abandonment and, um, it was as if we had this ruling family who are our actual parents. And, uh, it's almost like my parents were like middle managers. That's like one thing, one term I've learned in, uh, in, in studying cults and in my therapy is like, um, parents are treated as middle managers. So like, it's like kids and parents, it's not like a tight relationship as tight of a relationship because, they change with whatever the cult leader wants. So it's almost like there's not as much respect, you know, and there's not trust that like, they're really going to be there for me, you know? Um, and I think now they realize that more, you know, I don't know if they're going to hear this. So um, <laughs> I want to be as respectful as I can. And not just for that, yeah. but, you know, I think they did genuinely try, but they were just very deluded by, um, you know, my, my parents were, they grew up uh, kind of on the, more on the poor side of society. And I think they just aren't as familiar with how more kind of, uh, wealthy and people who have like these more kind of manipulative agendas, how they operate, you know, because I think when you're, you grow up poor or like kind of in a more humble, um, you know, social, socioeconomic status, you, you have to have integrity, you have to have, uh, you know, accountability, and so I think they expect that from other people. Um, and so when they get pitched on someone who says they're like that, they will believe them, you know? So that's kind of one thing that I've learned through all this is like, you know, how to call out bullshit basically. So, 
I think my parents do have, you know, they, they do try to have integrity and accountability, but in joining the church, they just, yeah, had no idea. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, I'm sure your bullshit radar is extremely uh, proficient. <laughs> you probably, yeah. you probably call bullshit a mile away. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll post about it. You'll see it in my Twitter or whatever, like <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think cults, you know, obviously they prey on, on, on everyone, but I think it, it doesn't necessarily have to be people from the lower socioeconomic uh, groups. It could be, you know, rich people. It could be it just, it's usually people that I think maybe look for some sort of a meaning or are a bit lost. You know, I know Scientology, they get all the Hollywood elite or not all, but some of the Hollywood elites, you know, people who maybe are looking for, again, like, I don't know, higher purpose, some sort of a sense of spirituality or, or whatever it is. But it just, you know, I don't, I think it preys on, on everyone, um, which right. is unfortunate. So yeah. What like, a, mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was, I was just going to add to that. Um, yeah, like if you've seen Wild Wild Country in uh crazy, Netflix. crazy documentary, yeah. crazy. It's very, it's very good at um kind of showing. Well, I, I like that it, it's like a series and it shows the complexity of everything and how people are still very emotionally attached to it. Um, I'm still emotionally attached to my childhood in the Unification Church. You know, it's sad that I can't access that without it being tainted now. But anyway, um, like in, uh, in wild, wild country, like, you know, you got the lawyer, you got like the finance people, you got, you know, if you're going to build this cult society, you need all the like proper roles to keep a society going. So, you know, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. And again, like you see him rolling in with an entourage of like 20 Cadillac or whatever, you know, like flashy cars, like it's always, they always, kind of it's it's the same story right it's always repeating it's the the one guy he's always got beautiful women around him flashy cars mm -hmm. always a lot of money mansions he has to fly private it's it's always the same and it's the same with you know there was yeah. a i remember i was i saw i remember i forget where i saw this but this was a few years back and one of the evangelical preachers, he, you know, was telling his followers that he has to have a private plane to do God's work. He can't do it on, you know, just a regular commercial plane because sometimes God speaks to him and he can't oh, answer God on, on a commercial plane because people will think he's crazy. So God told him that his followers must put money forth in order for him to buy his private jet. And they did. And these are people that, you know, they don't have a lot of money and uh, they sent him their hard earned cash. And <laughs> he ended up buying this huge jet. And then I remember, I think it was a year later, he asked for another one. So it's just, it's, it's endless. Boy. It's a bottomless pit. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for sure. Uh, yeah. Sunrun Moon would, he'd go to El or Las Vegas and he loved to gamble. And, uh, you know, my parents knew where that money was coming from. By then, they kind of knew. I think he just, Sunman Moon, as he got older, he just stopped caring as much and just started doing the things he wanted to do. And so, like, and he just said, like, oh, I'm going to Las Vegas because it's the city of sin and I have to restore it somehow with my messianess. <laughs> it's like, he's just like playing craps or something, you know, with like exploited money. So, dude is just On like. The high roller you know, table. 
Yeah, just it, so when Trump got elected or when he was like running for president, I was like, oh, this looks 100 percent familiar. And I started to write about it and like publish articles. And like, you know, uh, to me, it was the same thing. I was like, he could say whatever. It's true. Like he could shoot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue and, you know, he'd still have devoted fans because like that's a nurtured thing. You know, I think it's it's almost like marinating something or, you know, like um you can't just like when something's just so deep in you and you just develop this trust after so long, it's like, uh, you know, that's the, you can't walk away from it right away. It's, and it's like what people say about women in abusive relationships. It's like, why don't you walk away? It's like, Oh my God, do you know anything yeah. about like the human psychology? You know, like it's not that easy because you, your brain builds a whole map around, um, living a certain lifestyle and, uh, the do's and don'ts and, you know, it's it's literally building neural pathways in your brain of, you know, all those things. And then you get new uh, pleasure rewarding feelings by doing what, you know, whatever the term says is the good thing to do. You know, so that to me, I think that's one of the hardest things about if you're religious to like learn about the brain or whatever, because it completely just turns any fantasy of like, we're all going to be saved or this society will one day be like the new world of perfection. It's like, no, it's whatever your brain adapts to is going <laughs> to, you know, there's yeah. no um, happy ending and you have to make it like, or, or be lucky to, I guess. Yeah. It, it's also just a strong sense of tribalism nowadays where if you attack me, I'm not going to think, oh, okay, you know, wait, is there something, is there any merit to what you're saying? It's not, I'm going to attack back. And you see this so much online. There's just, a lot of people screaming on one side and a lot of people screaming on the other side and just not a lot of conversation happening in the middle. No one wants to listen to what the other person yeah. has to say. They just want to attack and they and the other group just wants to prove that their group is right. We're right. You know, we we have uh, God on our side or we have science on. Our, but uh, there's just no middle ground for having decent common sense conversation. I think that's 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 true for a lot of different facets in, in our life, um, especially nowadays with Trump and the, the 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 division that's happening in our country. But that's that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> um, what so what do you so you know post. Um, Post Moonies, I mean, currently, like you said, you're in San Francisco, not LA, definitely San Francisco. Um, <laughs> what? So, what do you do nowadays? I know you're, you know, you're a comedian. Uh, you do a lot of different things. Kind of tell us a little bit more about what you do. Do you do? Are you active against? Uh, obviously, I know you do interviews and stuff, but you know, how active are you in uh, talking out against the church, against cults in general? Um, yeah. Um, I. I feel like I just kind of, let's see, how active am I? Uh, I'll put out something every now and then. Usually if I, I'll react to something, if something is just like, oh, that's too, like initially it was the, uh, you know, the sanctuary church having that gun ceremony, you know, it was maybe a week or two after, uh, the Florida shooting, you know, so I was just, and in my head, I wasn't really surprised. I was like, yeah, I remember how it felt to be so disconnected from current events in society because you think that you have this, you know, uh, sacred society that's going to save everyone. So it doesn't matter outside of that anyway, you know, uh, but I felt like that was an opportunity to just, uh, to just point the media at them and being like, 
you know, look, look at how disconnected they are. And like, I know what that does to you when you have to enter society as an adult, if you grow up in a situation like that. So I can't say much for the, the uh, older members of that church. They've been in it for so long, first the Moonies and then now Sanctuary Church. But um, for, for the kids in it is more what I'm concerned about. Like they're, when they enter society, you know, they're going to have to like um, process a lot of stuff. And like a lot of us have been through that before. And when the terms are just totally like, what do you want in your life? And you don't know who you are because you're in a cult, you know, that's really hard to like really get to know who you are and feel okay with being your autonomous self. So um, anyway, so I guess to segue into what I'm doing, uh, yeah, I see, uh, I see an ex-cult therapist, which is amazing. Um, but, you know, I think wow. in North yeah, in Northern California, I think <laughs> there were so many cults from here, you know, like Charles Manson and Jim Jones came through here. And there were so many from here that, uh, you know, someone who does ex-cult therapy is going to make a living. So it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I do that. Um, but yeah, I also, uh, yeah, I do, I do a lot of things. I've, I've explored, I grew up drawing. My dad was an, always an artist and he did like calligraphy and stuff growing up, uh, when he left the church, uh, he went into like painting murals and he does that in Monroe, Washington, uh, out of Monroe. And, um, so I always grew up with sketchbooks and, uh, you know, I was like, okay, I'll, you know, and then I got into music. We, we moved to Seattle and it was in the nineties. So music was all around. I learned how to play guitar and I learned a lot of songs. So I, I, I kind of go all over the place. Um, I had a band in San Francisco over the first few years I was here called Geneva Pop, and it's kind of like a post-punk-ish band. Um, yeah, I, I just, I always, you know, along with my day job, uh, and I always have to keep one because, you know, I got to help my folks out because we, we don't have anything to fall back on. Again, like in a cult, yeah, we, we yeah. got to have some kind of security. So, you know, I'm always working a day job. I do my own thing on the side. Um, yeah, I have done comedy in the la in the past year uh i was thinking maybe doing something more like the moth or uh you know where i can do more kind of storytelling type comedy because i feel like open mics are more like dick jokes and stuff you know <laughs> yeah i mean it always depends on the crowd but uh you know i, I just feel like hmm, maybe i can like kick it up a notch and uh do maybe a storytelling so uh there are storytelling nights in uh in oakland and in san francisco um, they have something called spontaneous storytelling where people just get up there and there's a topic and you gotta, you know, there's fun stuff like that. So I, I'd like to do more writing or like more comedic writing. I, I, I gotta figure it out. I'm actually, um, due to see a career coach soon. Like there's so many things that I want to do, but I have to really wind it down. You know, I gotta narrow it into yeah. something that actually is plausible. So yeah, or practical. Yeah. I'm the same. I'm the same. I, I love so many different things. It's always difficult to kind of narrow it down to just one thing. But I definitely mm -hmm. think that, you know, you have a very unique story that, you know, 90 plus percent of, of people do not have. So I feel like you're definitely going to find an audience, for, you know, a very attentive audience that would love to hear that story. You just have to find the, the, the correct channels to, to broadcast that. And uh, I'm sure you will. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been good. Um, yeah, I, I consciously decided to make this a thing in my life, uh, maybe about a decade ago. And, uh, yeah, I just always wanted to be a voice kind of here. Um, but for me, the challenge is to, uh, try to take it like a, 
there's there's a lot of people who talk about it and just you know but i want to i guess i want to add some art to it maybe you know um yeah that's why i'd like to like maybe talk about it in comedy or something and you know just something where it's gonna be more palatable and then not just this like dark like thing that makes you feel like there's no hope in humanity <laughs> so yeah <laughs> i don't know i think there's ways to do that so uh it's just it's 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 good to have that for sure all right, awesome. Um, I think we have reached the end of uh of our podcast, but uh, I want to, you know, want to thank you for taking a, an hour of your time and talking to us and, you know, you're really well spoken and and I think again, it's it's not a lot of people have an insight to that, so to hear from someone who does, it's, I think, super interesting. I know for me, it is. That's why, you know, I wanted to have you on. So again, thanks so much for, uh, you know, for coming on and talking and, um, yeah, maybe in the future you'll come back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I always appreciate any opportunity to talk about it. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. Um, this has been great and, uh, yeah, I, I wish you well and I hope you find other really cool people too, to, to talk to. All right, man. Appreciate that. All right. So we'll be in touch and, uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Can we do it? <laughs> All right, man. Bye-bye. Take care. We'll be in touch and, uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Can we do it?